Justified Season 6, Episode 3, Noblesse Oblige, is over. But we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. It's the Justified Podcast. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I am joined here by a man who, the moment I met him, I just knew he was the man of my dreams. It's Antonio Mazzaro. Hi, Antonio. Hi, Josh. How are you? I, I got to tell you, uh, it's it's interesting that you would say I was the man of your dreams because I ain't puked up bourbon since I wore a cheerleader skirt. Is that true? It is true. When was the last time you wore a cheerleader skirt? I feel like not long ago. It, it doesn't really matter when it was. Just know that it's been a little while. And also that you've worn a cheerleader skirt. Well, I, I assume people would know that about me by now. I thought I thought that we weren't talking about that because that's did you part, want, that's did part you want of to, that trip that no, we took oh, that one nope, time. Nope, 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 nope. Did you want to be a stripe on that skirt, though? I did want to be a stripe on that skirt. That's kind of a weird thing to say to somebody. Like, I'd like to be the pattern on your clothing. Well, it just means, like, I want to cling on to you. You're so I luscious. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a stage five clinger. Yeah. I just want to be the pattern on your clothing. I want to be the paisley on your scarf. Yeah, I want to be on you. I want to be next to your body, that's, but that's in a weird clothing-based way. I think that coming from Boyd Crowder, it sounds like kind of a romantic thing to say, no? To be fair, they were hammered drunk. So, I mean, that's probably if that's the best he can offer, that's not so bad. So, so drunk. What was she doing operating a motor vehicle after that? Eh, breaking the laws of Kentucky, I say. I guess that's not the worst law she's broken. She did shotgun a man in cold blood. I always like the, uh, I don't know if it's a TV trope yet or not. Maybe we can make it one. We should always flag this. Like when you're on a, when you're looking at a show with criminals or with cops or whatever, and they're not concerned about the law you're breaking at that time, like unjustified, it's always, you walk in someone's house and they're smoking weed and they're like, well, we're U.S. Marshals, so we don't really care if you're smoking weed. Big deal. And here, Ava is clearly in a DUI situation and Raylan's like, eh, I'm a marshal. I'm building a RICO case. I don't care if you drive drunk. Right. It's not it's not the top priority. It's not the top priority. Well, I'll just let you break some laws, but maybe not maybe not all of them, because I'm really concerned about these other laws. Right. We've got other stuff to take care of. Yeah. Yeah. And so do we, Josh. Yeah. Speaking of other stuff to take care of, let's dive into this episode. Uh, We are recording this the morning after Justified Season 6, Episode 3 has aired. Uh, We got a bunch of tweets from you guys uh, overnight asking us questions to ask on the show. So we will absolutely do that. Uh, I think just to just to kick it off, friend of the show, Dale went worth uh who who uh wrote to us saying the plot thickens the season is getting good i just want to co-sign that and add i think the season is getting great antonio i think that three episodes in justified season six we're we're doing really well for final season territory yeah i I was thinking about this episode in particular there's there's not a ton of action i mean no shootouts nobody gets dropped nobody even gets punched but there's so much talking about that sort of thing and it's done in such a menacing way and it's so well directed and well acted that the the drama and the the tension in this episode is ratcheted up to levels that is is really just prime justified like this is really fantastic stuff from all the actors and from the way the show was written and directed so top notch top notch menacing in this episode even though nothing really happens. And I think that that adds so much color to the season and you can do it without actually committing any acts. It's really a hallmark of Justified. So good on them for doing it. And I agree with Dale Wentworth, FarmGuy69 on Twitter. That's uh, that's some special stuff. Yeah, and that's something that we talked about even last week too when we were talking about Garrett Dillahunt's character, Ty Walker, how in every scene like you feel like he could always lift a gun and just pop somebody. Like That's just the feeling that you get and it never happens and that was really commendable. And that was like kind of this entire episode of like any moment could happen, whether it's, you know, so like 
you know, Ty walks out of Boyd's bar, you expect him to walk right back in and like gun down everybody but Boyd. Uh, or when they kidnap Boyd and they have like the garden shears and it looks like they're going to clip a finger off. You really believe that Boyd Crowder might lose a finger here. That's not the worst thing that could possibly happen, but it would be really messed up. And somehow they managed to keep trucking forward without really drawing blood, um, but still, yeah. still being very, very threatening. So I thought this was a really dangerous episode of the show. The ball is moving forward in, in several storylines right now. Uh, it, was, it was cool to, to kind of go back to the idea of the, of the coal mines a little bit in this episode, and I think that that's something I want to talk to you about in greater detail today. So let's, let's just jump right into it, Antonio, if you're ready to rock. I'm ready to rock. All right, well, let's start. Uh, also, you guys can't see us, but Antonio and I are actually together this week. We're podcasting from a bar uh, both of us lying down on opposite ends of the bar, and we've been drinking all night. Uh, and I think that you should all be pretty impressed with just how uh, clearly we're speaking, considering we're hammered. Both well, I, I just had a giant hamburger because I'm nursing a pretty big hangover. Right. So. I'm sorry that I ruined uh, your hamburger by talking to you throughout it's the all right. entire time. Well, but I'm by the time we finish this podcast, I'm going to start on my fries, so we'll be all right. Okay, so just save your fries for the end. They might get a little soggy and a little cold, but that's okay. That's eh, all right. They're fries still, are fries. Still French fries. They're still fried. Uh, so this, you know, this episode is bookended by Boyd and Ava scenes, and we're picking up right from where we left off with them in uh, last week's episode, where Boyd gave her that surprise kiss, and we were kind of like, I'm surprised there was no making out. Well, it turns out the night was not over. No, it turns out they, they just they got into the good bourbon, as Boyd put it, and they just drank the night away. And which they, got, is, they got deep into the good bourbon. Yeah, they got laying on the bar deep into the good bourbon. So that's uh, – I'm sure there are people out there who, lives li- who live lives like that besides you and I, I mean. Uh, but this is, a, this is a pretty special night. And Boyd even says one of the best nights he's had in a long time. Yeah, he's going to say that later on. But yeah, and they're talking and Ava's saying like – he, you know, Boyd's impressed with how much Ava can drink. He's like, are you going to puke up? She's like, nope, I haven't puked bourbon since I wore a cheerleader skirt. Boyd remembers that. He remembers those days. Yeah, uh, it seems like they're getting close. Seems like things are working. And of course, we know that Ava has ulterior motives. Um, but, you know, this show is doing such a good job making you wonder, like, how much is she feeling it as well? Is this all an act? Is she just trying to get in close with Boyd so that she can help the Rico case? Or is she really starting to feel things for Boyd again? Yeah, what's interesting is I, in the beginning scene, wondered how drunk she actually was. I wondered if she was pretending and was really trying to ply some truth out of Boyd with some alcohol. But come the next scene, when she's stepping out of her Jeep uh, at her house and Raylan's there, she is hammered. I mean, she is definitely drunk. So it's not one of those classic yeah, she's, tropes she's, where uh, she's been pouring the drinks out. She is, she is shwasted. She is scissored. scissored. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, made, I, I made that up. Uh, I think that means something else. Yeah, yeah, well, that's okay. No, and I'm not talking about like scissor me, Xerxes scissored. Okay, all right. Okay, go easy, right. go easy. Ah, easy. But easy. yeah, she's she's hammered. It turns out she really is hammered, and it's like the worst possible time for her to get a text from Raylan. Uh, but of course she does. She gets the text. It's a little early in the morning to be getting some texts, says Boyd. Uh, but she's she's doing the, she's doing good at thinking on her feet and coming up with lies in the moment. She says, you know, I gotta go open the salon. Uh, and what does Boyd say? He's like, you are the last person I would want cutting my hair right now. Yeah, you're hammered. This is not going to go well. And then she says, you might be surprised at what I can do on some bourbon. And gives him a big old kiss. Damn. And he says, I promise I will hold on to that thought. Uh, yeah, I would too. Yeah. Can't say I blame him. That's a nice thought. So Boyd, you know, things have been going pretty poorly for Boyd, but I feel like he's, he's feeling a tiny bit of a pick-me-up here. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I can't blame him for that. And like I said, I, I even in this moment in this scene thought maybe she'd been pouring the drinks aside. She was really laying it on pretty thick because if you'll recall, she had come into that scene with the intent, I think, to manipulate him. She had taken her coat off. She had gone into the room and really kind of like tried to tried to get him on her side. And so I wasn't sure that that, that wasn't still what she was up to. But then like we find out right away that she she really has been drinking. So I, it's, I, I do love what you're saying, like what they're doing with Ava, where it's not 100% clear exactly where her head's at at any moment, whether she's looking to truly manipulate Boyd or not. She clearly hasn't given Raylan all the information, but she's given him some. And I think that this really comes to bear in this next scene uh, when AUSA Napoleon uh, and Rachel show up. Oh, God, that's great. Yeah, and she shows up to, to Arlo Givens' house where they've set up base to, to Raylan's house. Uh, and, you know, she's telling him off. And there we see AUSA Napoleon and Rachel and Raylan says, Ava, you picked the wrong morning to show up half in the bag. Yeah, that's great. He's just like, kind of laughing about it, but that's rough. Ah, uh, yeah, that sucks for Ava. <laughs> yeah, not good. She's got elephants marching in her skull. It's going to get worse as the day goes on. She says, "Not yeah. a good, not a good start. Not a good start to a very important meeting for her." No, not at all. Uh, and man, Vasquez is a real prick in this scene. I mean, I guess I understand why. Uh, they've had you know they've had Ava on this for weeks now. She hasn't turned in anything useful. Uh, Raylan's being kind of defensive about her, but she's not doing herself any favors because, you know, she's drunk, but she's also frustrated and terrified and she's getting really standoffish with him. Uh, but Vasquez is just really ripping into her. Yeah, I think there's a little bad cop going on there, don't you? Like trying to scare her with his bark. Yeah, I think so. By the way, I think seeing Vasquez in Harlan just I don't I don't know if this is the first time we've seen him in Harlan. I feel like it is. Yeah, I think it might be. Um, I feel like it's the first time we've seen him in Harlan, and I feel like just having him here kind of feels to me like uh, like you shouldn't be here. If you're here in Harlan too long, Vasquez, if you're coming down to Harlan, someone's going to grab you. You seem like the kind of guy that could be plucked off the good guy's side pretty easily. I think that's a that's a pretty keen observation. It wasn't something I'd I'd really thought about, but I think you're right. Um, it's interesting though because Chekhov's, even Chekhov's AUSA Vasquez visit to Harlan. <laughs> Chekhov's assistant U.S. attorney. Yeah, exactly. I love it. But yeah, Rachel even feels out of place in Harlan because she's supposed to be in the office and she doesn't want to be down there. Right. What I forget exactly how Raylan puts it, but riding through the country uh, with Raylan is just not really even her gig anymore. So we've got a lot of outsiders coming into Harlan. We know what that's like. Outsiders in Harlan usually don't mix. Uh, So you're right. It is a it is something definitely to flag for future reference in case these people keep showing up. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so, and so Ava, you know, she, she really stands up to him. She has this great line that closes out the first act where she says, uh, you come to Harlan to threaten me, you know, a phone call would save you the trip. Uh, you know, you're trying to impress upon me the severity of my situation will consider myself impressed. And if you'll excuse me, I now have to throw up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty funny. It, she's not, not so demure in the moment. No, no, she's not doing, she's not doing so hot. Uh, and I, I just love that that's like the cut to the credits. I feel like that's a, that's a very, very funny, funny scene. Uh, and from there we go back to Boyd's Bar and everybody now is kind of talking about Pizza Portal, uh, you know, talking about how, uh, you know, how are we going to get the money in and out? What are we going to do? And Boyd being like, oh, I'm hungover. I don't really want to talk about this. Uh, where's the cheeseburger I asked for? I never, I never took Boyd Crowder for a cheeseburger man, uh, personally. I'm, I'm a little surprised that that is his uh, hangover remedy of choice, but I guess he's probably not going to be going after pizza 
because there are people who have uh, they have a monopoly on pizza. Elsewhere. Yeah, it's hangover is um, hamburger is what you get in a bar for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I just didn't know that they served food at uh, at Boyd's Bar, or maybe this is takeout. Maybe this is uh, I don't know what Burger Portal. Maybe that's something that exists elsewhere in Harlan. Who knows? Who really knows? It's it's neither here nor there because something important happens shortly after Boyd starts in on his burger. We see the man, the myth, the legend, Ty Walker, walk into the bar. Mr. Walker is walking in. Yeah, walking in. He's a, he's a walker. He's walking in, and he's not just a walker. He's a talker. He's a talker. He's a walker and a talker. Yeah, he has a great way of talking with things like, uh, I come in with no more lofty aim than to appraise you of the situation in which you find yourself. I think even Boyd at one point says to him something along the lines of, man, you are a talker. Uh, you talk about as much as I do. Yeah, and I love that because I love that that they I like the shadow characters like we've talked about on the show. And I like that Boyd and, and Walker are sort of shadowed because I think that puts a, a clear delineation between Boyd and Markham. Walker works for Markham, as we come to find out in this episode. Boyd doesn't work for anybody. So if Boyd and Walker are similar uh, and are kind of the same, that means that Markham is clearly above Boyd in that regard. And I think that's interesting. Right. So, you know, Walker is here. He's uh, what is he drinking here? He's drinking. um He's drinking some form of, of whiskey. Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. What's Buffalo Trace? Buffalo Trace is a distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky. Actually, Buffalo Trace is the distillery that now is in charge of the Pappy Van Winkle line of bourbon. But oh, Buffalo so this Trace. Is, this is above Pappy Van Winkle. No, 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 no. This is, uh, this is kind of their, you can buy it off, off any, out of any store, kind of Maker's Mark style bourbon. Got it. Uh, and it's a good one, but it is, it is not the, the high, high end stuff. So This is like I the think, kind of drink the lieutenant drinks? I think that's right. Like, I think that, that this is meant to say, look, I don't want the high end, but I don't want the well. Like, I, I want the call at least, if yeah. not the shelf. Yes, yes. Uh, so that's, that's cool. I like that. I think that that's a, that's a cool character note that he's not going for the pappy. He's going for the thing below the pappy. I also like that he's that he's just comes in and destroys two shots like right away. Oh, yeah. No, he's got no problem with that. He's taking advantage of that hospitality. Yeah. But, you know, he comes in to say, like, I, I get the sense that, you know, the bank you robbed the other day, that was a solid piece of tradecraft. But I didn't come to blow up your skirts with what geniuses you are. Uh, somewhere along the way, you thought you were taking money from Calhoun. That's not the fact. You robbed the man that I work for. And he's very patient on the whole, but he's no weak sister or meant to be trifled with. Uh, yeah, he, he functions at a different level than you're used to. So he's just the weather vane, Mr. Crowder. Uh, yeah, I he love doesn't that. make the wind blow. He's just telling them how it's blowing and where it's blowing. Yeah, I love that because I like you said this with with Walker. It's like every scene. It's just he seems to be like 10 seconds away from just letting out whatever pain and anger he's playing right under the surface and just having an unfurl on everyone and claiming he's just a weather vane. And I'm just a messenger, man. He's a lot more than that. Obviously, he's he's definitely a lot more than that. But he is not the decision maker. So, again, I do like that. And I like that he calls it tradecraft. I like that. He's basically saying, like, hey, we're both in this game. Like, we know what we're doing. Like, we're equals in that regard. Like, I can game recognize game is essentially what he's saying. Exactly. And I, I think that's great. I mean, I think that that's saying, hey, we're very similar, and I'm just coming here to tell you, like, you're messing with a guy that you shouldn't mess with, and I know because I work for this guy. He's not me. Like, I'm just his errand boy. And whether that's true or not, I think that is meant to say, hey, we're equals, and I'm just his errand boy, which means that you're no good, and you shouldn't take him on either. Yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, Boyd kind of blows him off. He says, like, you know, you interrupted, you interrupted my hamburger. I can't finish my hamburger in peace. I'm going to finish my fries in peace. So he's just blowing him off. He's basically saying, get out of here. Uh, and I wonder if it's, you know, I guess it's a combination probably of just like Boyd being arrogant the way that he tends to be, you know, kind of thinking that he's a bit unbeatable uh, and having a little bit of that swagger to him. But also, I think probably still a little drunk. That would be my guess. Yeah. And, and just so, sort like of liquid like, courage. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't want to deal with this at bourbon muscles. Like, I don't want to deal with this at all. Like, this is the last thing I want to talk about right yeah, now. Exactly. Uh, and then Carl has maybe it's not even it's probably not the line of the episode. And that's just a testament to how many lines of the episode there are. But Carl has this great line here where he says, you best get to walk in Mr. Walker. Yeah, that's great. You, you, and, and, you and your beard. You and your beard. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, people have told me that before. So yeah, he best gets a walk in Mr. Antonio. You and your beard. You and your beard. Yeah. So you know, you're I, you're, you're my beard in that scenario. I just have a beard. I don't have a full beard. I'm not, oh no, I'm I'm talking about the other definition of beard, sir. Oh come on, <laughs> come on. Oh, it's all good. Be it's cool. all good. Be cool. That, you, that's you, it. You choo choo choose me to be your beard. Oh uh, well, every day when I wake up, yes, Josh, I do. All right, sounds good. Uh, but yeah, now Carl's pissed off because they're like, well, crap, these pizza portal people know our faces. How the hell are we going to get that money? Well, See, and I like, I like that. Uh, not to interrupt. I, I really like that. And it's similar to me to the scene where Ty blows up or Walker blows up in the previous episode. It, it, he, Carl keeps it all in and he's cool as a cucumber. He's even dropping like action movie type lines. But as soon as he's at the door, Carl is screaming. Yeah. And I really, that, that to me is like indicative of the tension, the way the tension builds in these scenes. It's like, Everyone in the scenes is so cool as a cucumber. This is what I'm doing, and we're we're all fine and well and good. But as soon as the tension deflates for whatever reason, screams come out, anger happens, and it's like that's where we're ratcheted up to in, in these episodes of Justified. And I I like those little moments, like when Carl screams as soon as Walker's out the door, because it's like he probably wanted to scream that entire scene, but he had to play it cool. And so so many times we're seeing these scenes where the characters are playing one emotion, but inside they are fighting those angry and and loud emotions that should be coming out yeah very good stuff very good stuff indeed uh and then from here we get into i i thought that this was really interesting that this was the direction we were going so so raylan and rachel team up now they they've obviously they've parted ways from ausa napoleon as raylan uh names vasquez uh and rachel's like giving him the talk of like it's really difficult running this office with you running around out here and why are you taking so long uh and why is raylan taking so long Antonio? What, what's your theory on that build a Rico case. They said, take your time. They said, like, I, I am kind of in line with that. I think that he's not putting pressure on Ava because I do think he feels bad for her and he understands what she's been through in her life. And he, at the beginning of this season is referencing like when he first came back to Harlan and what connection they had between the two of them and all of that. Like, this is not a place where Raylan is going inside unseen with no previous feelings and he can just come in and push people around like Vasquez is trying to do. Like Raylan has emotional connections to these people, especially Ava. And I do think that Raylan feels bad about the situation that she's in and he, he does want to work her in a way that protects her and is safe to her. And I honestly don't think Rachel and Vasquez care that much about that. Is there any part of Raylan though that's like uh, stretching this thing out because he's just not ready to go? He's not ready to go off and be a dad. Is there any piece of him there that's just like, let's drag this thing out a little bit longer? I definitely think that's that's under the surface. I think that that's a that's a subtle thing and not to jump ahead in the episode. But there's a great conversation 
between Luther and Raylan later in the episode about what fatherhood really means yeah. and what it's like. And so I do think he's not really ready to come to grips with everything that's going to be required to be a dad. But, uh, but I don't know that that's necessarily, if that's why he's taking his time, I think it's subconscious. I don't think he's doing that on purpose. I think he may be using the thing with Ava and keeping her safe and making sure the case against Boyd sticks and the cover that's been provided him to protect his insecurities. But maybe he's not even aware of that. You know, that might might be just something that's happening. So I thought that this was cool that that Raylan is like, well, Rachel, if you're going to tag along, I'm going to go and figure out how Boyd is getting Emulex. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's from this guy named Luther, who we used to who I used to dug, uh, dig coal with with Boyd. Uh, so now we get a little bit more into the mythology of like the, the coal digging days uh, with with Boyd and Raylan, which we haven't touched on in a while. Uh, and. Let's let's just talk this out real quick. Let's do it because I think it's actually significant. I do too. Um, are we are we going to go? Are we going to go down the mine at some point in this final season? Uh, are we are we setting up some some whether it's a showdown or just a moment? But doesn't it feel appropriate if Raylan and Boyd's story ends in the mine? I think it does. And if you'll recall, and, and we can reset it. Uh, er, earlier in one of the earlier seasons, we we heard the story and we know that at, at one time Boyd and Raylan had had a, an incident in a mine and Boyd saved Raylan. Is that right? I believe that's correct. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that that's and kind you, of you see a tiny piece of it, actually, in the you do. very first episode of the whole show. You do. And that's that's when it is. It's it's way back at the beginning. And you see sort of a just a 15, 20 second flashback while Raylan's telling the story. Uh, and that is something that happened. And it, it really hadn't occurred to me. And probably I didn't do we didn't do a good enough job of setting up season six because it's something that should have probably been on all of our radars earlier, that there's a possibility that Raylan and Boyd are going to get back down that mine and more to the point uh, maybe are on or, or, and I think take it a step further maybe on the same side I mean in this episode what we see is we see a sort of menacing figure come in this big bad wolf if you will and Avery Markham uh, and he is a, a threat to Boyd in, in a way that I think is is unexpected in terms of where the the context of the season should go I think we expected the whole season was going to be Boyd versus Raylan and that was the showdown we were building to uh, but if Avery Markham is there and he's threatening Boyd then I don't know maybe that's a bigger fish that Raylan will want to fry I have no idea exactly where we'll end up but it is entirely possible not only will we end up back down in the mine uh, but we're gonna we're gonna pull from that we dug coal together just like Raylan says in this scene about Luther and we're actually gonna see Raylan and Boyd work together against Avery. I, I think that's possible. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. We also we had a tweet in from Harry Schaefer who who asked, do you guys see a swerve coming where Boyd works with Raylan to get the bigger fish as his exit strategy, which is kind of what you're talking about here, about Raylan and Boyd having to team up in some capacity to take down Avery. I could certainly see it. Uh, I, I mean, I think that Raylan <clears throat> is definitely going to have to get on the path of Avery at some point you know those two have to have to meet up that's going to happen for sure yeah and and the thing is we've seen Raylan cross paths with Walker already and so he's really he really is on the radar of the group but not necessarily of Markham in specific and we know he's cross paths with Win Duffy repeatedly and had issues with that so that that sort of thing is is definitely there um like I said I do think we we set up before season six, that uh, there's a, at least a possibility that Boyd dies a hero's death, that in some way he redeems himself and dies. And I think right now it would it would seem like that could be 
to save Ava in some respect, but it also could be to save Raylan. I mean, who knows? Like we, we absolutely could have a scenario where Boyd's like, well, Raylan, you've got a kid and I don't, they've already talked about that in this season. So it's something that could come up where, where we see that. So I, I think we did get into that and uh, it's it, justified just does such a masterful job of putting all of these things in play. And for so long playing on all of these ghosts that Raylan has and the haunted history in Harlan. So I think that you right. can't, and I think that that's can't becoming, get away from that. You know, that's becoming more front of mind uh, yep. than, than it's been in a long time in this season, you know, talking about how Harlan's kind of fading away. Um, you know, there's been a lot of like, there's nothing here for us in Harlan anymore. That that kind of talk has, has come up in episodes this season already. So, you know, you put that in mind and, you know, the, the mining was such an essential part of, of these characters and of this show and, and seeing that here. Uh, and, and we had mentioned in the past that, like, you know, the whole fire in the hole that that Boyd used to love to say uh, that could I, I could certainly see that being like a final line of his. And if it's down in the mine and, you know, blowing up in some capacity, I, I could really see that. And again, just, you know, that that I think, you know, the the creators of the show, the, the writers of the show and Graham Yost in particular, I believe, has said, like, they want this show to feel of a piece with that first short story that Elmore Leonard wrote uh, the, of, of the fire in the hole short story that uh, is the basis for justified. And I feel like, you know, the whole digging coal together was such an essential part of, of that story. And that's, you know, kind of the final line that Raylan gives is, well, we dug coal together. That's why he was a little mournful over, you know, having to shoot Boyd. So I feel like, you know, with, with us reintroducing the minds here right now, it's just something that I'm looking at as a possibility that this could be where we're going. And if the theme of the season is Boyd and Raylan, you know, digging down deep and deep and deep until they're going to come to some sort of collision, it would only make sense for them to go literally underground. So yeah, I think, I, I, I think I, I'm, on, I'm on the same page. I, I think agree. it's just something something to pay attention to. Anyway, we can we can talk about that throughout as we as we go on. But we get uh, we get to meet Luther here. We find out that Raylan was a skinny little mini uh, back in the day. Uh, when he was digging coal with this guy, Luther, and also was putting away moonshine. Yeah, but apparently he was doing the thing where you pour it out and you don't really drink it. And so he was doing that to seem like a badass. And everyone was like, man, how can he drink so much? Well, it turned out he wasn't really drinking. That's right. That's a good move. He was a schemer from the start, that Raylan Givens. You know, it's interesting, like that kind of story, you know, it's not something that they really linger on whatsoever uh, beyond that moment. But it's it's an interesting character note. Like you could just imagine young Raylan Givens who does not like where he is, does not feel good about his father, does not feel good about his place in life, having to work this really difficult job in the mines. And at the end of the day is around all these tougher guys who are putting away drinks and he just has to, you know, kind of look cool and grin and bear it. And he's just clever enough to, to spill it out and is probably really resentful in the moment. I feel like I can just really picture that hot headed teen right now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's he's the son of Arlo Givens. What more do we really need to know? Yeah. Like that is absolutely the situations that he would find himself in, feeling like he had to prove himself, but maybe feeling a little smaller, less than, and finding a way to list or to exist anyway. Right. Uh, and so, you know, talking with Luther and looking at the books, it's pretty clear that something is wrong with the numbers. And it certainly seems like this is where the explosives are coming from. This is where the Amulex is coming from that Boyd uh, has been using in his jobs. Um, but he, but Raylan, he feels like something is wrong with the situation. He doesn't quite figure, he can't quite figure out what's the missing piece of the puzzle, at least not yet. 
Yeah, and I got to say, uh, flagging something here as an attorney, Raylan just kind of barges in and pulls the book off the shelf and is like, oh, I'll figure this out. No real permission, no warrant, nothing like that. I, I got to say, if I'm an attorney for for anyone that's arrested in this episode, uh, I got to say that that maybe we've got a, a case here where we can say anything we got out of this is fruit from the poisonous tree, as they put it. Like the evidence that, that Raylan had that the Emulex was missing was stuff he obtained illegally. So this is Raylan Givens. I don't think he really cares about that. He's got bigger fish to fry in mind, and he's the kind of guy that is just doing what he wants. We've seen it on previous years where he'll just barge into a place or kick a door down. He doesn't really care about formalities or warrants or things like that. So This is the guy who just completely violated the restraining order against Dewey Crow like five, yeah, exactly. five seconds earlier. Just yeah. like, yeah, just like a few days ago and still doesn't even know that Dewey's dead or really seem to care so yeah i know i don't mean to continue to pull the the scabs off of that wound but Uh, yeah dewey's gone yeah dewey is gone uh so yeah this is raylan this is another raylan moment just not really caring about building an actual case against anybody just trying to get the bigger fish oh yeah no you know he's he's not he's just trying to get closer and closer to boyd in a really big way so you know however he gets there it's really a matter of details it's semantics to the game exactly exactly uh so so rachel gets a call uh and finds out that raylan's ci uh uh, Ava is in an interesting place. She, I guess, like me, has a has an interest in pizza. She doesn't look like it. And I'm not saying you do, but she doesn't. She doesn't look like she'd be a big pizza person. No, I mean, I do for sure. But she doesn't like the good for her if she can put away some pizza. Yeah, man. Well, it turns out that she's not really into the pizza. She's really no, she's, she's so there, sad. She's there for a gig. I thought at first she was freelancing just on her own. Uh, like, so did I. Like, uh, you know, take like just really like having like this bad, bold, drunken idea of going off and doing something dangerous on her own. Turns out that she is working on Boyd's behalf here. But she's going down to Pizza Portal because she's the one person in Boyd's crew that no one recognizes from that group uh from from the tiger hawk crew so she goes and she's going to like try to find the ladies room but she's actually going to find the vault and she's taking pictures and antonio here's our our new best friend making his first appearance in this episode Yes, DDR, Dance Dance Revolution, Duke Davis Roberts. Fantastic. Yeah. Here is our, our man Mundo, not to be confused with Mongo. It's Mundo, right? Mundo. And I think Mundo just means world. Is that right? I in Spanish? Know. I don't know. Don't ask. I'm pretty me. sure it does. I, I stopped with Spanish in like ninth grade. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I, I am 98% sure Mundo means world. All right. Let's, let's, let's say yes. Okay. Let's say All right. Yes. So our, our buddy look, World shows up. Choo Choo World. Choo Choo World. It's Choo Choo World. It's a Choo Choo World, and we're just living in it. And uh, just a side note, uh, shout out to Duke Davis Roberts, who plays Choo Choo, who uh, was listening to our podcast the other week. Yeah. Yeah. And he's all he's very active on Reddit. Like, he's really accessible about this show. And just it seems like a really, really – a guy that was a, a huge fan of the show and was really glad to be on the show. And that's – you just love to see that. You love to see people who are fans of the show popping up on the show. And I think Justified it has populated its cast throughout with people like that. So I'm very happy for him uh, and very thankful for his support of the podcast and, uh, and, and just love when he pops up in these random scenes. It's always – like I said, there's, there's just a bit of menace because he menaces later on in the episodes. But there's also a bit of sadness and a whole lot of humor. So there's a there's a lot going on there. Yeah, a lot going on with this character. We said it last week that where where has Choo Choo been throughout Justified? We we love this guy. This is a great yeah. character so far. Uh, and also, uh, I'm thankful for all the things that you're thankful for, Antonio. But I'm most thankful for this picture that uh, that DDR sent our way of Thomas the Tank Engine with Choo Choo's face on it, which is yeah. which is a really really great thing that he sent our way. So uh, you guys, you should you should find Duke Davis Roberts on Twitter. He's at Duke Unchained. 
Tell him the at post show recaps crew sent you uh, his way. Say hi for us. He's a good guy. Uh, anyway, so we get we get Choo Choo and Ava meeting and Choo Choo falling in love right away. Yeah, but I also love that he just doesn't really buy what Ava's se- what Ava's selling. She's like, "Oh, what is that?" Pointing right at Duvall, and he's like, "You don't spend much time in banks, do you?" Yeah, I know. She's <laughs> like, like do, they, "Do they cook pizzas in there?" Oh my gosh, no, she's like, "No, it's more cook- of a more of a curiosity." Yeah, they don't cook pizzas in there. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's great. I love it. I love that he's throwing out the word curiosity because I really like the the idea that this character wasn't. You know, it's not like he was born this way. He he suffered some combat wounds and he so he can remember a word like curiosity and know what it means and apply it correctly right yeah no that's the that's the sadness about this guy is yep. like as we said last week that Raylan has encountered some dumbasses in his time in harlan county uh but this guy's different in that i think that he's legitimately brain damaged yeah uh, so that's, uh, yeah it's really tragic that's, that's yep. but it, it doesn't take away from the the pure joy of a moment where ava's like what's your name he says mondo sometimes they call me choo choo and she goes choo choo yeah, I like I like I like trains. Yeah, it's not because he hits you like a train. It's no. I, I like trains. For, to the to the ladies, it's because he likes trains. <laughs> to the to the guys he wants to fight, it's because he hits you like a train. I love that. Oh, it was really really fun. Uh, and then we get Ava's first meeting with Ty Walker. Ty Walker not really buying what Ava's selling either in a in a more suspicious way than Choo Choo, uh, but isn't going to do anything about it just yet. He's you know he seems like a careful guy. Bides his time. Yeah, he, he but he's he's clearly on tour from the second he sees her. So good for him. He's he's uh, he's not he's not in his position because he's not good at his job. Right. And then so Choo Choo shows Ava the door uh, and asks uh, for her number. Tries to score them digits. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. don't worry, I'll find you. It's like, I do hope you do. Uh, he's oh, like, I didn't ca- I didn't catch your name. And she gives him Ava Randolph. Yeah, I, you said earlier that she was good on her feet, and I think that's true. But throwing out the actual first name is never a good alias. I'm just What's putting that out like, there. Uh, Maya Rudolph. Maya, Maya Rudolph. My, yes, <laughs> my name. My name is Gary Hawkins. Yeah, Hogaboom. Gary Hogaboom. Yeah. Uh, so, any chance that Randolph is her maiden name? I don't think that we've ever heard Ava's maiden name before. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible. I don't I don't think we have either. Uh, we may have very early on in episode one, but. She may have said it to, to Raylan at some point, but I don't know about that. She I, comes up with Randolph very fast. Yeah. Randolph. Uh, what do we think is coming with with Ava and Choo Choo? Because, of course, we're going to find out that Ava's spot is blown up by the end of this episode, that uh, Avery Markham is on her trail. Um, do we think that Choo Choo is let in on that plan or the next time that Choo Choo and Ava meet? Is he going to think that she's Ava Randolph? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. And I, I you know, we had compared Choo Choo to the kind of uh, Lenny character from Of Mice and Men. And we know sometimes Lenny with uh, with the ladies can get into trouble. So I don't think that's where we're headed uh, with this with this sort of crush. I, for all I know, we're headed nowhere. But uh, he could be very sad. We, we could see that go somewhere. I mean, we could see a situation where he actually his desire to protect her outweighs their, someone else's desire to hurt her because – it's interesting that in, in a later scene in the episode with a mask on with Seabass, uh, Ava is sort of overtly threatened and Choo Choo doesn't really say anything about it. So right. either he doesn't know uh, who who they're talking about or he's on board with his team's plan uh, and he's not so taken with Ava that he can't let it go for the good of the team. Right. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, yep. So Boyd's gang, they're they're looking at all of Ava's photos. Um, they're. They're trying to figure out how many of them there are. There's three beds. Uh, Boyd says there's five of them. And then Carl's brother Earl 
takes that to mean he says, are we dealing with something untoward? That's hilarious. <laughs> Which I, for a second, it didn't dawn on me what he was saying that he was like, are these, are these guys gay? Yeah. Yeah. Just untoward though. And like, he doesn't say it in like an angry way. He says it in like a, Oh my gosh, that's mind blowing kind of way. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. You get the sense that like, he's kind of taking it like, uh, are we going to have to fight homosexuals? <laughs> yes. I have, I've never seen someone like Josh in Louisiana. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've never seen somebody like that come into our town and sleep at a pizza restaurant. Exactly. So I just, I just <laughs> thought that that was a funny little note. I thought, he's a little taken aback by it, right? Yeah. yeah. Earl uh, doesn't know what to do. We also, we're getting this, you know, kind of tension between Earl and Boyd and we'll get to know Earl a lot more in this episode. I think that this is really our first chance getting to know him. He wasn't the guy who said, Oh, you're Boyd's girl in the last episode. Was he? I don't think so. That that was a different member of the crew. Yeah. That was a different member of the crew. Um, But I don't think that, you know, we're not, we really haven't seen much of Earl at all until this episode. And Carl was a character who kind of came on our radar last uh, season in season five as uh, the guy who's kind of stepped up to be Boyd's number two guy now that uh, Jimmy's out of the picture. Oh, R.I.P. Jimmy. R.I.P. Jimmy. I bet Boyd would really like to have Jimmy right now because this is this is what I'm I'm floating past you is that Jimmy was a super loyal guy right to the very end with Boyd. I'm getting a little bit of a of a Judas thing, a Judas vibe going from Carl, who's like really trying to protect his brother and get in the way between Earl and Boyd not fighting and Carl being like, my my brother's in this. There's not a lot of filter between his head and his mouth, but there's no way he wants out, which is fortunate. You know, you guys need us. It's where, you know, the defenders uh, outnumber the attackers five to four. Just the way that Carl's speaking uh, and what we even saw in season five of that time that, that Carl was in the cabin with the crows and he kind of like really weasels his way out of that situation, kind of a cunning way. And then what we find out of Earl later on in this episode that he's just kind of a really trigger happy sort of greedy dude. I get the sense that that Carl and Earl might turn on Boyd at some point in the future. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good flag because I all I had really observed is that Carl could be more loyal to Earl than he was to Boyd, that Carl was carrying Earl around as kind of dead weight and that he could be a problem for, you know, for the crew. Uh, And then recognizing that Carl could put Earl ahead of Boyd. Now, whether they would actually go full Judas and and turn on him, that isn't something I'd really track, but you're right. Carl is, is smart. I mean, he's, he's cunning and he's a little wily and I can absolutely see it now that you're flagging it, that you could take that cunning and wiliness and say, well, if Boyd doesn't want to support my brother, I'll find a way to sell Boyd out and get what I want. So this is a Boyd Crowder. He's sort of unmoored. Like he doesn't have his, his, his Jimmy, he doesn't have the people he can trust. And even when he had them last season, Boyd was doing rash things and behaving in such a way that was kind of unbecoming or or not consistent with the Boyd Crowder that we knew. So you take that, you take him with his desperation of one last big play. He needs the best crew he can get, and he's stuck with this crew where so you've got a trigger-happy the, idiot. The B squad at best. Yeah, it's got the B squad at best, and that B squad may look out for themselves. Earl's already talking about bailing because he, he was only in because he thought it would be, quote, easy money. So that's a little rough, man. Boyd's in, Boyd's in some hot water here and I'm not sure he's really tracking it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So that's, that's interesting. Just, just something that kind of peaked on, you know, pinged on my radar as I was watching that scene, like, Oh, this guy's fishy. This is the benefit of having just watched all of justified really quickly. I, I feel like I'd know this character uh, better than I would have if I hadn't just binge watched this entire show. So I feel like yeah. Carl's somebody to keep an eye on. Thank you for your skills, Josh. Oh, you're welcome. It's a very particular set of skills. 
<laughs> Skills I'm, that make I'm, me a nightmare for people I'm, like you. I'm very taken with that comment. I know you are. All right. So a, a, a really good thing happens from here. You know, uh, we're going to go find, we're going to need a hell of a lot more Amulex is what Boyd says. So Earl's going to be on the job. And around the same time, Raylan is figuring out, oh, wait a second. Luther has a kid. And I thought that he was like a little tadpole, but it turns out that he is uh, late teens, 20s, possibly even 30s. Who knows? You know, he's, a, he's an old, he's not a, not a little mini. He's not a skinny little mini. Uh, so Raylan is going to go to this guy Tyler's house at the same time that Earl is going to show up there. Uh, and Earl, like as Raylan walks in, you guys want to get shot? Raylan's like, oh, goodness, I hope not. Are you looking to shoot people? Yeah. Uh, and he, he grabs him by the balls. Raylan grabs this situation and this man by the balls uh, because Earl is like taking swings at him. That's not a good thing to do to Raylan Givens. Uh, so Raylan is figuring out pretty quickly that this kid, Tyler, is involved in the quote unquote shitty bookkeeping that the ATF might want to be looking into. Yeah. And, and that, uh, that's a pretty, pretty smart play by Raylan. I think he puts it together really quickly and it's a little bit of trade craft, as we might say, they do run the background report and find out about that DUI and all that. And he puts it all together and shows up pretty well timed, doesn't he? Yeah, it's good timing. Very good timing. That's Raylan's got good timing for the most part. He, he usually does. He usually is walking in uh, and, and we'll see it later again in this episode. Right. Right. When he needs to be right when he needs to be. So that's a really that's a really good thing. And uh, Earl says, well, look, I have a new plan for how we're going to get that MUX now. So we'll 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 dig on that in just a second. But first, uh, just going straight back to Boyd's bar for a second. Boyd gets kidnapped. Yeah, Boyd gets kidnapped and not by a bunch of hillbilly shit waffles, as Raylan has called Earl, but uh, by 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 the crew, by our boys, by the by the Tiger Hawks. Uh, yeah. So that's not great. So we'll we'll see how that plays out in just a second. Uh, but then right now we can just kind of wrap up what was going on with Tyler and Earl there. I guess that they're going to go rob Luther. Uh, they're wearing like these goblin masks and they're going to rough up Tyler's dad. And Tyler's like, oh, do we have to rough my daddy up? And uh, Earl's like, dude, if it was my dad, I'd be so jazzed. Like, this would be great. This yeah, be I'd great. love to put a mask on and get a couple pulls in on my pops. Like, it's, uh, yeah, well, that t- tells you a little bit about Earl and Carl, too. Absolutely. So uh, they're, they're about to go and do it. Of course, Raylan and Rachel are no dummies. They've tailed them. They figured out what's going on. They've got the guns out. They've got the they've got the drop on them. Earl is saying, like, well, this is like a terrorist offense, what we're doing. So what do we have to lose? We may as well just shoot the marshals and, you know, take our shot. You know, we might get killed, but at least we won't have to go to jail as frickin terrorists. Yeah. And, and that's uh, that's pretty telling. I mean, thinking about what the actual stakes are. And I love the way that this scene is staged. I, Robocop, Peter Weller directed this episode and I thought really just did a phenomenal job. The mind noise itself and that that mind noise is pretty accurate. I liked earlier they had a 606 area code on the mind sign. I think they're doing a really good job uh, with kind of the authenticity of the the atmosphere, if not the actual look uh, of the areas, which they I know they try to do the best they can considering they're not shooting in Kentucky. Uh, but I love the way the mind noise is almost like a metronome or almost like a score in the back of the scene. It's this pounding constant noise that's happening in the back of the scene and it's really adding to the tension. So I love that. I love the way that that, that whole thing was staged with Rachel up above and them on the hill and Raylan below and them looking at each other. I just thought that was a really well done scene. Right. And this is, this is uh this might be the line of the episode. 
Because uh, well, this is the line of the episode. I, let's, I, let's, I, let's not mince words. I, I here. think it's the one, and and so this is the meme of the episode at the very least. Yeah. So so Raylan, uh, you know, Ray, I, Raylan's like telling Earl to stand down, and Earl's like, "I was hoping you're gonna you were gonna grab my pecker again. Now that I'm paying attention, uh, you were gonna try to grab it again." He's like, "Earl, I'm I'm just gonna you know I'm not gonna grab it. I'm gonna shoot your I'm gonna shoot your dick. Do you yeah. understand me, Earl? I'm going <laughs> to shoot your dick off." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Raylan Givens always knows the way to a man's heart. Uh, that's that's just wonderful. That's just yeah, that's just a wonderful thing that's happened there. Uh, so so there you go. Raylan Givens has now officially threatened to shoot somebody's <laughs> dick off. It's a wonderful piece of tradecraft. Yeah, and you know he's no he's no Tim Gutterson. He's not a he's not e- as eagle eyed as his uh, sniper pal. But I feel like he could do it if he wanted to. I guess it depends on the uh, the D in question, if it could actually be shot off or, or what we're dealing with there. I don't want to get too uh, too much into detail. Well, there. I feel like you could obliterate it at least. Yeah, well, that is true. Yes, uh, you could. Yes, yes. It, you know, I don't know if it would be like a clean snip, but. You could transition him at the very could, least. You could transition him for sure. Yes. Uh, luckily, we're not going to have to go there, or at least we're not going to have to figure it out now unless that's Chekhov's shooting your dick off, which might be. <laughs> Which might be in the drawer, and we might have to uncover that later on for Earl as the season progresses. But for now, we Earl cannot is, make we cannot make Chekhov's dick off the hashtag. Chekhov's dick off is not the hashtag <laughs> unless you're super brave. Yeah. Uh, so we have we have Earl, uh, we have Tyler. They're about to have this standoff, but Luther shows up, uh, and Rachel says, "Well, you know," or, or Raylan says, "Like you don't want to see uh, you don't want to die in front of your dad like this, do you?" And Luther says something interesting. He says. I always said I don't want to see my son dying in a mine. Uh, at least he could look. At least here he could look up at the stars. It's kind of like floating away. Uh, and our our good pal Artie Forbus wrote in and said uh, Luther doesn't mind his son punching out as long as that son dies looking at the stars. Except it's broad daylight. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he meant like the stars, like the movie stars, like like Timothy Oliphant standing right there. You know, Timothy Oliphant's famous. I don't know if it's not really a star. star. Yeah, well, he's well, a star, a TV star. Put yourself in Luther's shoes, though. This is like a this is like a Gary Cooper walking in. Yeah. No, I I, I act, there's a, a quote I really love by Oscar Wilde. That's like we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars, and it's kind of like I, it's just what your perspective is. If you're if you're looking up, that's what you see. You look out at the universe. It's not so much the, that it's actually night, but also I'm not sure Luther's really. Uh, all that quick on the uptake, and I'm not sure he's exactly a wordsmith, although he does have some sage-like advice for Raylan later in the episode. He does. He does indeed. So, yeah, so Luther is taking the hit here. He's saying, uh, what if I took the Amulex? It's like, oh, come on, man. Screwing it up again. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think that Luther is smart enough to to realize that he might be able to beat this rap, but uh, he might be able to beat this rap. So I, I'm kind of hopeful that he can, considering that he's really just doing it to protect his son. Luther doesn't feel like a character that we might that we're necessarily going to see again, though. It seems like no. he, he could be a one off. It could go either way. We could see him again, but I also feel like this could have just been like you know one of those characters of the week who shows up to kind of be. Uh, you know, an analog of what Raylan is going through in, in a lot of ways. But we can, yep. we can talk about that in a bit. No, I think he's a character of the week. I'm, I'm with you. Um, so so let's go to the, this like undisclosed location, this barn uh, where Boyd is is tied up. He's taped up. They pull the, the mask off of him uh, and Seabass and Choo Choo. We know it's them, but Boyd doesn't know who these guys are yet. Uh, they have these garden shears and they're like snipping them in front of his face Seabass says, have you seen Chinatown, Boyd? Uh, yeah, because that, that means the nostrils in jeopardy. Yeah, so that, that's not what happens, thankfully. And then it, it really did, for me, it looked like, I kind of thought 
that they were going to cut a finger off or something there. I would not have been surprised, especially given, you know, Avery's talk last week about how brutal he is. Uh, you know, I really, I really thought that could be where we're going with this, but ultimately it turns out that they're just cutting him loose and saying, uh, you know, this was your second warning. There isn't a third. We need to hear you say you understand. And Boyd, who just, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen Boyd look this afraid before, uh, just saying, I understand. Like, just like kind of quaking in fear, just like really thrown off. Yeah, Walt Goggins makes some great choices, really brave choices, I think, as an actor this episode and what he does with his eyes, both in this scene and later with the scenes with Avery Markham. He plays a lot of vulnerability and, and actual fear. And you're right. It's just not something we've seen in Boyd previously. And I don't think it's it's really clear yet whether it's legitimate, total, actual fear uh, or whether he's playing that way so that he can walk away with his tail between his legs only to come back and bite later. So I guess we'll just have to see exactly how that plays out. But uh, he does. Walton Goggins just does a bang up job in this episode playing that fear for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. And so we get Seabass saying like, you know, it was smart sending that smoke show in to do your recon. Uh, we were too busy. You know, everyone was too busy looking at her to see where she's looking. I wonder if that would work if she's not so easy to look at. Yeah, that's and that's rough. And there's there's Choo Choo in that scene right there hearing that. So either he's not comprehending it or he's like, you know what? When I got the mask on, I'm a different guy. It could be. It could go either way. It's like I a got, luchador. I it's got, like a chuchador. It's a chuchador. <laughs> <laughs> uh, always angling for those hashtags, Antonio. I know. I, know, I just love wordplay. I know wordplay. you so well. I, I love know. wordplay. Oh, sure. I love gold. Okay. I love gold. So we go, to, we go to Ava's house, and here he is, Avery Markham, looking beautiful. Just looking excellent. Uh, although, it is sad to see Sam Elliott without the mustache. I, I do have to say. Yeah, I and again, I love the way that this is all the, the way that he plays this, and sp- specifically the way it's sort of shot and stage. He's always tilting his head to the side and kind of wincer, wincing, or I wouldn't say grimacing, but he's like forcing a smile. And without the mustache, he just looks so damn evil. That's there's no welcoming in that face at all. He's tilting. He looks like a very menacing guy from the jump, such that Ava has no interest in letting him into her house at all. Uh, and and feels very taken aback from from the start. And I just love the way he sort of is appearing in these scenes and the way he's tilting his head and squinting his eyes and sort of forcing a smile. He's just like the big bad wolf. I've seen him called online, and I think that that's really accurate. Yeah, he's kind of like the Voldemort of Justified. Like he's got like that like thin sort of face, like the like kind of like this like slick slope of a face. Now that he doesn't have the mustache, that's kind of what Sam Elliott looks like to me. I kind of just look at him as like the he who must not be named of of Justified. I love it. The the Tom Marvolo riddle of Justified. Yeah, exactly. So so he comes in. Wait, is Avery Markham like a anagram, an anagram? for something else? Someone figure we'll that to... out for us. Someone, yeah, someone, let us know. Or or even Antonio, why don't you go to the anagram solver if you've got one right now? But all right, all right. Well, well I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, we'll we'll see what we can do. An update before the end of the episode. Yeah, we'll see what we can come up with. But you know, he apologizes for the intrusion. Uh, she says she doesn't let strange men into her house and Ty shows up and says, good thing we're somewhat acquainted. So there you go. Confirmation that Ty Walker and Avery Markham are in league together, which uh, we, we assumed last week was a very likely possibility. So I think that that right there is the end of that discussion. Um, and so we, we go into the dining room. He only needs a few minutes of her time. He says, turns out probably to be a little bit longer than that because it's daylight when he's outside her house. And when it's inside, you can see it's nighttime outside. Um, and he's drinking bourbon. 
does not like bourbon. Uh, he says, I grew up in Kentucky my life entire. I never developed the taste for bourbon. Even the smell turned something in me sour. Uh, surprised. I, yeah. I mean, he's got like the voice of a man who has like smoked a lot and drank tons of bourbon. Yeah, Artie Forbes tweeted at us, why not just have him kill a puppy? It's the same dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah, if, if uh, Kentucky Berman is unpalatable, then why not just kill a puppy? Yeah. Uh, yes, fair point. Fair point. I mean, I'm, I do not consider myself nearly uh, even, you know, a percentile of the man that Sam Elliott is. But I'll drink bourbon. Bourbon's awesome. Yeah, it, he's. I like that. I like that he's got the Colorado in him. That he's grown up in Kentucky and been raised in Kentucky, but he's sort of an outsider because he has the kind of outsider pedigree that you can actually be scared of because he knows what he's dealing with and he's been in criminal enterprise in Kentucky and yet he's is kind of the whole better than us yet one of us kind of thing. Uh, and I and I think that I'm not saying he's Jesus, but I am saying that by by feeling that way, he's a different threat than the carpetbaggers that we've actually seen come in and even then than his security force. Uh, he is he's of Kentucky, but he feels like he's different and better than Kentucky. And I think that that comes off. He's wearing kind of Western attire in a different way. Uh, the bolo ties. And he, we heard him talking about Colorado and the things we know about him. I like that. I like that. He's not like a Robert Quarles who doesn't know what he's getting into. But I also like that. He's not just some figure that has been in Harlem the whole time. And it's like, why didn't we hear from this guy before? Because that becomes a little bit less believable as a show. So I really like the, the backstory they've built for the character. And I like the character notes with things like not liking bourbon. I mean, other shows use colors. Justified uses bourbon. And I love that. Yeah. A little Raylan esque this guy in, in the sense that like he's the guy from Kentucky who was gone from Kentucky for a while is now coming back to Kentucky and as a date, like a much more dangerous man than when he was last there. Yep, for sure. Uh, so I think that that's another interesting parallel. And he says an interesting thing to Ava, you know, saying that Ava's the reason why he's there. Like, uh, you know, you're the re you're, it's your fault that I'm here. And says, like, I know for a woman to survive in this line of work, she has to be harder than the men. She has to be ready to do the things that they won't. Uh, I know women who have that in them. My question is, are you that kind of woman, Ava? Because if you ain't, then you'll never be more than a token, something that can be threatened or hurt just to keep your man in line, which is a uh, very dark, dark thing to say here. But uh, uh, an, an interesting line as well. Yeah, especially considering he's in her house where she literally killed her husband. Right. So I kind of stuff. I kind of feel like uh, Avery Markham underestimating Ava Crowder. I think so, too. And I and I wonder uh, we'll find out later in the episode what his we've, there's some more details of his relationship with Catherine. And it's sort of like uh, like um, does he not see that in her or does he see that in her? So is he really on to what she's playing? Because he knows that in order to have survived what she survived, she's got to be really tough. Right. And so he shouldn't trust her. There's a lot of really. Uh, really just great things to kind of dive into with these character relationships that are going on, whether it's Avery and Catherine and comparing them to Boyd and Ava, which we can do at the end of the episode, uh, or whether it's Raylan and Avery or, or wherever it is. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, so let's let's go from here and let's talk about this final scene with Luther. Uh, do, you, do you want to handle this one? I mean, this is this is a scene that it seems like it really struck your uh, struck on your radar about this conversation about what it's like to be a dad. Yeah, and I mean, he, Raylan calls Luther's action the 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 noblest uh, obliged the the kind of episode title, which of course just means like the the idea that the people of a, a higher social strata, people of a position of power, have a duty uh, to take care of the uh, less fortunate. Uh, uh, 
uh, duty. I got you, Peter Griffin. So I think that that's uh, that that's kind of what it where where that's at. And, and, and Raylan, I think, just sees that as a sort of well, you feel like you had to, so that's why you're doing this. And Luther's like, listen, you have a kid. I know the kid. All the kid's doing right now is barely breathing. Just you know, using the re- using the bathroom. Just be. Raylan's like, it's like you met her. Yeah, and Luther's like, he says, uh, right now, I reckon she's not much more than a lump of shit that cries. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. So. Raylan's like you met her, so the, the the guy says no matter what she grows up to be, no matter what that gob ends up or whatever he says, like you're gonna want to take care of her. You're gonna find out exactly where that plays out, and you're gonna do things to protect her that you didn't think that maybe you were gonna do. Is essentially what he says, and I think that's interesting because I don't think Raylan's there yet. Like I just don't think that Raylan feels that way. He, he's putting himself into far too much jeopardy to be the kind of person whose chief concern is his child at this point. Uh, and I think that Luther's saying, look. I'll even take the fall for this horrible person that can't be saved. And he tells Raylan, like, look, he had dreams. He wanted to go be an x-ray technician. I couldn't afford it. At least now I can say I gave him something. And it's like, that's how deep this Luther guy wants to go for his son. And if Raylan's not feeling that way about his kid, Luther's like, you will feel that way. You'll see. Right. So I'll be interested to track. I'm interested to track to see if we see that switch go off in Raylan. Uh, where we're and we're going to probably need more Winona, or we're going to need it, it brought back to the front of mind. But is that switch going to go off in Raylan, where he makes a choice or a decision for once for his family and not for himself? I guess we'll just see. Yeah, I think we'll have to wait and find out. And you know that that whole line that Luther gives of like, you know, that feeling doesn't go away and it doesn't get any easier. And you'll see is I think prophetic, of course. If not for something we'll see on the show, then certainly something that uh, you could assume about Raylan's life moving forward, even beyond the show. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because Luther's telling Raylan that. Raylan never felt that from Arlo. So this is something that Raylan is not oh, being raised a good point, socialized. Yeah. It's not like he knows that this is the way fathers or parents are to people. Uh, so Luther telling him that, it's just sort of like maybe it'll wake him up a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I uh, hadn't even thought about it through the Arlo lens. Uh, oh, R.I.P. Arlo. I wish he was here. Anyway. Arlo um, R.I.P. <laughs> Arlo I.P. Uh, yeah, so let's go back to Ava's house, and Boyd finally comes in. And Boyd, we find out uh, him and Avery Markham met once upon a time, when back when Boyd was no bigger than a minute. Yeah, and that, uh, that that's an instant way for Avery to really take the wind out of Boyd's sails, I feel like. Yeah, back when you were five, maybe ten years old. Yeah, um, I was in the game, and I was a badass, and I still am. Yeah, peacocking under your daddy like you were a full-grown bad man. Yeah. Uh, and Boyd, Boyd recognizes him now, and you know he, he owes him the apology, not for not remembering him, but for his craven attempt to to go for that which which rightfully belongs to avery he he offers only his ignorance in defense because he thought he was stealing from calhoun uh and now that he knows that the prize in question belongs to avery that any plan for his next attempt is considered abandoned as foolhardy uh avery seems to take that at face value which is a bit of a surprise to me considering everything that he said to Catherine hale uh, back in episode two when, you know, they were in, in bed together and Avery was saying, like, an eye would be a good start, maybe. Um, is that and, – and I think that maybe we get the idea, you know, throughout this episode that Avery does suspect Catherine Hale already. So maybe that's just something he's saying to put some fear into Catherine Hale's heart. Like in retrospect, if you're looking back at that scene from last week, because Avery just lets Boyd and Ava go with a warning, a very stern warning, but no skin removed, no hair off their heads. Uh, He basically says, 
if I see you in my place of business again, I'll kill you. And if you I'll want, kill you. and if you want pizza again, just order it and we'll have it here in 30 minutes or it's free. <laughs> I like that. He's representing that his business, he calls it his business. Like, like he's just a pizza man. You know what I mean? Like he's just a, he's just a pizza man. Yeah. He's, you know, he's just the guy at the portal. No, but I think that's a good observation about, about Catherine and about what Avery's real intentions and that conversation's worth revisiting. Uh, Emily Kaz87, a uh, good friend of the show, had asked us on Twitter, the obvious question is what do we think of Avery Markham? And, and I do think that there's a, there's a lot going on there that he's maybe not pulling out right away. And I think the stuff with Catherine is a, it's an excellent observation by you because he should have killed Boyd if, if we're operating on what he told Catherine, how the kind of, what kind of a badass he is when he finds out people are against him or lying to him or whatever. And I, I don't understand the, what I don't understand is look, Seabass and Mundo kidnap Boyd. They take him there and nothing happens after that. Boyd doesn't, it's not like Boyd shows up at the pizza parlor after that and is, is not listening to their warning. So they decide to deliver the third warning in, in a very direct way, directly with Avery Markham. And I think that that is something that was somewhat unexpected considering how they'd previously gone about menacing. But he's chosen to deliver this himself. And I thought, well, shit, maybe this is the end, you know. And the fact that it's not says that he maybe is is a kind of guy that's saying things to try to get you to go away before he'll really take any action because he doesn't want to get blood on his hands. Not that he's afraid to, but that he just doesn't want to deal with it. So he's got a crew to do his kind of wet work and to kind of break bones and heads. But he's also a smart enough guy to know that you can menace the shit out of somebody with just what you say. And That's so weird. It, it sounds like you're describing like a, a very complex villain, which is something we've never seen on Justified before. Oh yeah, no. This is this is classic <laughs> unjustified. I don't right. know where. All of a sudden, they're in season six. They're really changing it up. No, no. You know this guy. He's he's showing his his. Uh, you know, just think. You don't have to think much further back than than a Bobby Quarles who seemed to be one thing in his first episode and throughout his entire time on Justified really unraveled and showed you something very different. Uh, and that's the you know that's par for the course with all the great villains of the show. And you've, you've got the very excellent Sam Elliott filling out this role as Avery Markham. And it seems like he is cut from that same cloth of this is not a man that you can put a pin on in your first time meeting him. We only had one scene with him last week. We have another really great scene with him this week. And I'm sure next week and the week after and the week after that. And as long as he's still on this show before he inevitably gets killed, because he's got to get killed, uh, we'll probably just learn more and more and more details. And our opinion will just change and change and change. So I think the one thing that we can take from it is this guy does seem like a pretty dangerous bad dude. He definitely does come off as the big bad wolf. And he has that really amazing final line to, to Boyd where he says, uh, where he's, you know, standing tall over Boyd, who's still sitting. He's cowering. Of, yeah, he kind of has that cowering look on his face. And he just yep. says, uh, you know, I guess you ain't all that big now. Grown, but still just playing pretend. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's really good. Because an anagram for Avery Markham is Mr. Heavy Karma. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Heavy Karma. Yeah, so we're going to have to see how this all plays out. Like, he might have just put himself in a bad spot there. All right. Well, Mr. Heavy Karma leaves the building. That's the end for him this episode. I'm sure there will be much more. Um, there's a, there's another scene with the with the mine. I don't feel like there's really anything that we need to talk about there. Rachel and Raylan kind of having a final powwow where she's like, you really see that this, you know, long, you know, con that you're doing against Boyd, you really see this is going to work out, that you're just going to, you know, swoop down on Boyd on your white horse and 
Raylan has his line of why not? It worked for Gary Cooper. Yeah, uh, it's nice that Raylan and Gary Cooper, like Raylan acknowledges the Gary Cooper thing because it's always kind of been there. So it, oh, sure. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, let's get to something that's much more important. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I know, know exactly where we're going with this. You know, one. if if shooting, shooting, Tyler, uh, shooting, threatening to shoot Earl's dick off was the line of the episode, then I think this is the tan line. Of the, of, of the episode is uh, we're we're in the hotel room that I guess we you know listen when Duffy really moving up in the world he's out of the Winnebago he's in a hotel room he's still got his pal Mikey doing all of his business but he's got a tanning bed he's wearing a thong a flesh colored yeah. thong um, <laughs> what's going on here this is just unbelievable how well, how is it possible he's, ri- he's also ripped by the way Jared Burns Jared Burns is ripped how is it possible that 6 seasons into justified and Win Duffy just continues to get weirder and weirder and weirder like I just like it. the little quirks of Win Duffy it's not enough that he lives in a Winnebago it's not enough that he's like the world's greatest women's tennis fan uh, uh, now we find out that he's like a religious like artificial tanner uh, who wears a thong. Well, his look was always very interesting for central Kentucky. He always does have that sort of tanned bleach blonde kind of uh, white teeth kind of look. And he didn't, he didn't always look like a, a person that necessarily belonged, but he wasn't an outsider. So I think the actual actor, Jer Burns, who plays when Duffy is a surfer. And I think they needed to find some way to explain his tan away is what I read. So, Hey, why not put him in a tanning bed? Cause it's hilarious. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. And Harry, the, the Sha- goggles. Harry, Sh- Harry Schaefer wrote in when in the tanning, bed i won't be able to unsee that for a long time i don't think any of us will yeah and 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 it's interesting because Artie forbus wrote that when duffy is justified's most leonard-esque character shrewd yet somehow buffoonish and comical yet totally badass and i think that's all accurate like i i when duffy is a man of many pleasures and a man of many interesting things and he he i i will we'll talk in a moment about the next scene with when when he puts the robe on and he's actually just rehydrating and how both funny <laughs> and angry he is in that scene and how that really works on both ends but uh, we love we love our when duffy and his relation his his banter with with Mikey here is great. Like, well, I just call the front desk and hope they have a room and tell her to get her ass over here. Do exactly what he says. I love it. Yeah, and also like Mikey, when he knocks on the tanning bed at first, he's like, Mikey, I've told you that talking while I'm in here can lead to unevenness in my facial tone. Yes, hilarious. <laughs> God, love Windows. Yeah. Love Windows. So good. So so Boyd is mad. He's he's demanding a face-to-face right now. And and uh, Duffy's a little nervous about that. But on top of it, Boyd wants a hotel room as well. Uh, and he wants Catherine there as well. So, uh, you know, Duffy says, make sure to get, you know, get that get that room for him. Make, set it up. Also, make sure when he comes, you get his cigarettes, uh, which is, you know, picker R.I.P. A little shout out to, to that moment. from Yeah, that's five. very funny. Um, so so we go, uh, you know, right from there to Boyd just storming through uh, and coming right up to Catherine Hale and saying, I found your money and I might have found it sooner if you'd been straight with me from the jump. Um, so we're, you know, he's figured out that, uh, Avery Markham and Catherine Hale are linked. Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, that's, that's really pretty sharp and good on Boyd's part. I love that they show him kind of walking into that suite with purpose, uh, stalking down the hall. This is not the boy we just saw in the previous scene. So it's not clear what was real fear and what was bravado, whether the, the, the stalk down the hall is bravado or whether the real fear was real. But I, I love that. I love that. I don't exactly know how Avery Markham got to Boyd or how deep he really cut him. I love that. These crowders are complicated. You can't read them. No, I love it. Yeah, I do love that. It's really good. Uh, and so, you know, we, she says like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't think that you would take the job if you knew who he was. 
Uh, and it sounds like, uh, you know, it sounds like there's quite a story between Catherine and Avery. Uh, and Catherine says, it's a, it's a long story. It had its moments. And Boyd says, well, as a man who loves history, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, that's uh, great. But right now I'm more concerned with the present. Um, and he says, what's your relationship with him now? And she says, I'm sleeping with him. Uh, she, damn, Mary Seenberg is so hot. You love her. You <laughs> I love her. love her. Oh, I'm in love with her. Uh, 61 years old, I think, in real life. And uh, doesn't look a day over. I don't know. She still kind of looks, you know, 50s or so. But she's a beautiful 50s looking lady. Uh, I, I'm in love. I love this woman so much. Yeah. And I think it's a great addition as a character. She's a, she is a total femme fatale. And I love that that's kind of the role that she's playing with Avery Markham and maybe with Boyd to a certain extent, although Boyd's not really buying it, but Boyd has his own femme fatale in Ava. So I really do like how this is all the, the, again, justified does such a fantastic job of setting up these mirror relationships or these shadow relationships and to show in one scene where Catherine Hale talks about sleeping with Avery Markham to gain information. And in the very next scene, she's says it to Boyd in the very next scene Ava uses sex to, to lure Boyd in and it's like did you not hear what you, what someone just told you was happening with them a woman just said what she was doing yeah yeah, uh, yeah it's yeah. like come on Boyd like oh my gosh but it's fantastic like it's great use of that of that kind of character trope and I love the addition of Catherine Hale I think she brings a lot to the show for sure right and so Boyd's like how do you see this playing out how do you see this working out Avery's not just gonna sit still you know while he lets you go live the good life somewhere on his dime and I'm, I'm a little confused as to why Catherine is targeting Avery if she's sleeping with him uh, there must be some bad blood between you know what happened with Avery and Catherine's late husband uh I think so. Or she just wants that three million bucks, you know? Yeah, she might just be cold-blooded. That's possible. Or it could be revenge. Who really knows? Um, you know, wh- whatever the case, she's after Avery. Uh, and Boyd is, like, poking holes in her plan. And Duffy is now getting angry. He's like, oh, so you're out. You know, let's set aside this uh, poetic downhill hillbilly bullshit. Bottom line, you're backing out. And here comes Boyd. You know, and as you said, is this, is this bravado or is this real? And he says, oh, I'm not backing down. I'm going to rob him. Then I'm going to stick a bullet in your boyfriend's head. And he turns around and walks out. And Catherine Hale, my, my lady, my girl, Khaleesi, says, uh, <laughs> she says, you know what, boy? From the moment I met you, I just knew you were the man of my dreams. Ah, I'm in love, Antonio. Yeah. I have, fallen, a, I have fallen hard for Catherine You be Hale. careful with that siren song. You're going to crash into the oh, rocks, Josh. Oh, God. It's, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble here. Uh, she's incredible. <laughs> so I thought that was a really fantastic scene. Uh, you know what I've noticed too, Antonio is like after every single scene that we talk about, we have said so far, like what a fantastic scene, but Hey, justified, knock it out of the park. You know, I think that justified is really, um, it's locked in right now. It's real. it's in the zone right now. I think, um, I, I don't know. I'm really, really, really pleased with this season so far. I think that even, even episodes that could be perceived as slower, I think if you stop and take a moment to absorb what people are saying to each other and, and the art in how they're saying these things, uh, this this is uh it's it's a rare experience uh and i think i think that the show is really just knocking it out of the park right now and uh complete with this final scene of the episode where as you mentioned that ava seduces boyd uh you know saying like uh, what are we gonna do and he's like i thought you don't want to know how i'm doing things and she says i thought you said uh that you trust me now uh and he's like well wh- why do you need to know all the particulars um, and you know, he's not even sure that he has Ava anymore. He says last night was beautiful, but if I'm being honest, since you got out, sometimes I feel like I don't know you anymore. 
And here we go. She takes the covers off. And she is, uh, I, I don't know if you said this before we started podcasting or if you already said it, but you had a great line to me, Antonio, when we were talking about the episode of, uh, this is her like, uh, draw me like one of your French girls moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and so she is, she is naked. She is butt naked. Uh, apparently, maybe nipple slip. Uh, my buddy Russ Frushtick tweeted at us and said, basic cable nipple. <laughs> Which Your buddy like, is now forever associated with nipples. That's uh, fantastic. So, uh, Russ was already associated with nipples. Uh, so right. it's, uh, it, that sounds like that could be like the PG-13 hashtag if you want to go there, but we're not going to do that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's Ava's bullet hole I on her so. chest. Yeah, or like where she caught some of that, the buckshot or whatever from uh, from Dickie. So I think that's exactly what that is. But yeah, I saw I saw I was like, what? What was that? And it, I think that's what it was. Who knows? Maybe the editors uh, snuck something in there. Yeah, but she says uh she says, well, you, I'll tell you what, you come over here and I will I will remind you who I am. And I just have in my notes and that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they yeah. Just, they go they go to bed and, you know, the episode ends with where we kind of thought that maybe last week's episode with their final scene together may have been going next. It just takes a full episode to get them there. But, yeah, Ava and Boyd are intimate for the first time since she's out of prison and that's a big deal. And you mentioned, uh, you know, a minute ago about how Boyd says this whole thing to Catherine and doesn't even see that his own, you know, his own fiance is doing the same thing to him. But Antonio, I throw my hands up in the air and I say, I don't know yet. Like, I, I, I still don't know if is this is this a play? Is this a con? Is she just trying to to keep Boyd in line? Is she trying to protect her interests with the whole Raylan thing? Or is it really like I'm I'm falling for you again? I'm I'm back with you. We got to do this together. I don't know where Ava's head is at, and I think that Justified is doing a really masterful job of keeping this a week to week ongoing case. You know, it's an active mystery of where's Ava's heads at, and it's not just Ava. It's Boyd too, as as you mentioned, you know, throughout this episode of Walton Goggins, is that is that fear? Is that courage? What's real? What's not? Um, and Raylan is, is a bit of an open book as well. So right now it's, it's really hard to crack any one of these characters and get into any of their heads in a, in a way where you are a hundred percent sure of who they are, what they are, what they want. Uh, and that's, that's fantastic television for my money to be able to do that with these characters who we've gotten to know over five full seasons now embarking on our sixth, uh, three episodes into this final run. And we still, we don't know every single layer about these characters. That's, that's really magnificent writing in, uh, for my money. I agree. And magnificent acting. Like I oh, just love like the, the choice, like I said, with Walton Goggins playing so wounded. And I love the, the composition of the shots in that scene. Like you said, shooting the, the, the Avery Markham as this sort of iconic menace from below. So he looks even taller and kind of angling that in such a way that he looks menacing to Boyd. So you feel that menace. Uh, I just think it, it, on every level, like the show is firing on all cylinders and there's nothing more you can ask for a show out of its final season. I have my fingers crossed that they stick to hell out of this landing but i tell you they're sticking the hell out of the approach so oh, i really i really am i'm just uh, in in fanboy love with justified right now same same here all right do we got anything else from this episode or should we uh, wrap up for the week no i mean we just had the, the takeaway from Artie forbus about that final scene was what tv has taught me exposing one's mammary glands is an effective counter argument good to know <laughs> i think uh so yeah. josh if, if you're out in the streets in new york today and somebody challenges you on something just lift your shirt up just lift my shirt up all right well we'll see we'll see what happens yep. just tell them like this will that'll work that might work out i'll i'll report back next week and see how hate me like out. one of your french girls yeah, re- remind me next week if uh if i if i forget to bring it up i'll i'll tell you how that worked out 
Sounds good. I'm going to uh, go try that today. And I think we should use Mr. Heavy Karma as the hashtag MR Heavy Karma. Okay, let's do that. MR Heavy Karma as your hashtag this week. If you made it all the way to the end of uh, this week's Justified podcast, subscribe to what we're doing. Postshowrecaps.com slash Justified iTunes for the iTunes feed. RSS feed is postshowrecaps.com slash Justified. Follow Post Show Recaps on Twitter at Post Show Recaps. Follow Antonio on Twitter at AC Mazzaro. Two Z's, one R. I'm at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but Rounder. Thanks again, guys. This is a blast. This is uh, Antonio. We we podcasted a lot. This this show is very quickly becoming my favorite show that we've ever podcasted. I agree completely. Uh, totally. So I I think uh, the show is on fire. If I may, may be so humble, I think we are on fire. And hopefully, you guys are enjoying what we're doing uh, with all this fire in the hole. Uh, and we will be back next week to talk about episode four of season six of Justified. Until then, everybody, drink some bourbon. Cheers. Only if you're legal. <laughs>